You are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Thank you for joining us for the October edition of the Crestone Eagle. My name is Paula Vaughn. We're starting with two interviews for people running for Sawatch County Commissioner. Jeff Phillips in bid for Swatch County Commissioner. Interview by John Waters. Eagle editor John Waters interviewed Jeff Phillips, a Republican running for Swatch County Commissioner for District 3. The following interview has been edited for clarity and brevity. Waters, this is an opportunity for you to tell our readers about yourself. Why are you running for office? Phillips, I was born and raised in Lamar, Colorado to a multi-generational family there. When I was younger, I wanted to get out of Lamar. My dad built high-end custom homes, so I ended up in the construction trades. In 1997, I went to work for my uncle at the dealership selling cars. That is where I got my start in sales. I loved the mountains. I was in Grand Junction, got married, had a baby, and then we moved to Salida in 2002, where I worked for Salida Motors. Waters, why are you running for office? Phillips, like a lot of people, I didn't pay attention to politics or local government. I was concerned with work and family. When I started seeing what was happening in the world, it was evident there is a division in this country and on the world stage as well. I started paying closer attention. I started looking at things, getting flustered. I was sitting on the couch and I told my wife, I ought to run. And she said, you should run for county commissioner. I said, I don't know if I can do any good there. She said, you have a lot of things that people don't have in government. I have the ability to separate myself from the situation and look from the outside looking in, asking questions. I can reason with people and get their viewpoint. I wasn't sure if I was qualified to be commissioner, so from January to April, I started going to the meetings. Now I go to all the meetings. I wanted to know if the board I was considering being a part of was a board I could, if elected to it, work with and do some good with. Nobody wants to just sit there and fight all the time. Nobody needs that kind of brain damage. That's doing the public a disservice. I'm not saying I agree with everything the current board is doing, but I wanted to know if I could communicate with them in a way they would view things in a different way if they could see both sides of the spectrum. I wanted to see if I could communicate with them and have them view things in a different way, if I could maybe sway a decision based on that. With the skills I have in sales and life skills, I felt I could communicate with them in a positive way. I talked with my wife about running and she said, go ahead and run. Without her support, I wouldn't be here. In government, and especially at the local level, people need to be heard, and that is something I can do. Listen to people. When I'm listening to people, I'm trying to put myself in their shoes, and whatever the issue is, asking myself, why are they feeling so strongly about it? I've done that. Knocking on doors, campaigning, talking to people, that is what I do. I ask people, what are your concerns? A lot of times, people are just not being heard. Waters. Are there any issues you would like to address? Phillips. Yes. Public outreach is so big because the constituents don't know what is going on or they don't know where to look to find out what's going on. There is so much in there. I would like the commissioner's agendas to be more topic specific. When the agenda says things like light zoning, I want to know what zoning change is exactly. I would like to see that in the agenda so it is very clear to onlookers so they can decide if it is something they want to pay attention to or not. Waters, any other issues you would like to address? Phillips, 
Our county employees are the backbone of the county. Without the employees, we don't need to be here. They are what keep our county going. I feel there is a bit of a disconnect between the employees and the leadership. The employees are struggling to make ends meet, they are busting their hind end, and I think they feel they are not being taken care of properly. With the amount of tourism we're getting and the amount of overflow from Chaffee County, I think that the secret is out that the north end of the San Luis Valley is probably one of the prettiest places on earth, and I feel like there will be more people moving here. What I would like to see to get ahead of that, as forward-thinking person, is that the commissioners should look into is some light zoning, maybe some uniform building codes, nothing extravagant. I think that is an important thing for our county to consider. With the light zoning and building codes, and with the amount of people moving here, and with the county charging for building permits anyway, I'm not seeing the consumer getting much for their buck. That said, if we get building codes here, and with the existing cost for the building permit, that would pay for the building inspector. This would raise property values and make it easier to get property insurance and loans because there would be a specific standard that is being met. As far as alternative building materials, I think that can all be worked in with any building codes. I think we can use alternative materials and still be in compliance with any building codes. Waters, anything else you would like to tell voters? Phillips, I'm active in the community. My wife is a fourth grade teacher at Mountain Valley School. I'm with Northern Swatch Fire District and the Northern Swatch Ambulance District and with Search and Rescue. As far as being connected with the community, I'm there. I take a different approach to looking at things. I like common sense. And our second interview, Liza Marone in bid for Swatch County Commissioner. Again by John Waters. Eagle editor John Waters interviewed Liza Marone, Democrat running for Swatch County Commissioner for District 3. The following interview has been edited for clarity and brevity. Waters, please tell our readers about yourself. Marone, I came to the San Luis Valley 35 years ago with my husband and children to work on the High Meadows Buffalo Ranch in Center. Those buffaloes summered over at the Zapata Ranch, part of which is Great Sand Dunes National Park. The Zapata herd are descendants from bison we worked. As a 19-year-old, I worked as a ranger for Rocky Mountain National Park on the west side in Grand Lake. Please mention the Young, young Adult Cons- Conservation Corps. I ended up moving Sawatchway, and I went to work on an organic farm in the summers, and I had a position doing low-income energy assistance with the Swatch County Department of Social Services. I've always been deeply entrenched in agriculture and community ag activism. Those are two things that have driven me over my life. In the San Luis Valley, that looks like health and wellness at Valleywide Health for several years. Then youth prevention work and tutoring and educational work through Center's school district for several years. In 2007, we launched the Healthy Eating Campaign, Live Well, and in 2009, that became the San Luis Valley Local Foods Coalition. People care deeply about food security and having access to the food that we grow here. We work to create an equitable food system that includes a 38-acre farm incubator that is in Alamosa County and serves the whole San Luis Valley. For folks who would like to learn how to farm and would like to have farmers and market skills and grow crops with land access and water from the independent ditch. 
We have the Valley Roots Food Hub that we launched in 2015, and we have gotten $1.5 million in annual sales. 65% of that goes into the pockets of small family farms and ranches in the Valley and the region. I've raised my kids here. I really loved putting roots down in Sawatch County. All my children went to and graduated from Mountain Valley School in Sawatch, and that really inspired me to serve on the Mountain Valley School Board. I was elected for two terms. I served nine years, with most as the president of the board. I love to garden. I have horses. I raised my kids. I'm now a grandma. Family and community activism is what I love to do and what I spend my time doing. Waters, why are you running for county commissioner? Marone, I've been doing this amazing community organizing valley-wide that is Alamosa-centric. With all the skills that I have learned, I would like to give that to my home community. I live here in Swatch, and I would like to work here, too. I really love going out and campaigning and talking to people. It's been really neat reconnecting with the people I have such a good relationship with, who my kids went to school with. I feel I have a lot of skills to offer Sawatch County. I feel I've learned good governance. I'd like to be a good steward of the resources here. I'd like to provide opportunity here that preserves our rural lifestyle that we all love. I love the Dark Skies Initiative. I love the Wildlife Corridor, Gunnison Public Lands Initiative. I'm a big supporter of the cow-calf operations that we have here and new technology like virtual fencing that might require cell towers. I helped found Sawatch County's Sustainable Environment and Economic Development succeed, with which I've worked for 20 years and for which I'm the chair. It is that idea of supporting local businesses, providing opportunities for youth. The real purview of a county commissioner is running the county departments, public health, road and bridge, etc. I want those departments to run at the highest capacity possible. I would like all of our employees to have a living wage. I feel really proud of the Sawatch County Housing Authority. I'm a grant writer and a fundraiser, and I'm good at those things. I feel I can bring that to our county. I'd really like to get rid of the rhetoric that we stand on the laurels of being one of the poorest counties in Colorado because we are so rich in natural resources, and we are so rich in social capital. I would like to change the paradigm and the conversation to the beauty and the unique special attributes and resources of our community. I feel I can bring a lot of positivity to the county. I come from a very collaborative environment in the nonprofit world. We, Alamosa County, just received a Robert Wood Johnson Foundation Culture of Health Prize for our strong partnerships, and I would like to bring that collaborative spirit and increase the trust of Swatch County government. I've been out and about speaking with people, and there are questions about trusting government in general, even at our local level in Sawatch County. I'd like to work on that and improve that. Another reason I'm running is that when I see the dysfunction at the federal level, I feel that we have democracy at work at the grassroots level and local government level. I feel we can activate the change that we want to see at the local level. I'm passionate about public policy that adds value and regenerative practices to our agriculture. I'm friends with County Commissioner Chris Holstrom in San Miguel County. They have a practice they have paying farmers and ranchers to provide ecosystem services as they can conserve water, build soil, and pollinate their habitat, and practice regenerative grazing. I'd like to have a similar initiative here in Sawatch County. 
I am passionate about food security, and that is what I've been doing for the last 15 years. It's not just about food pantries. That is a piece of it. I'd really like to examine root causes of why they are needed and collaborate with Neighbors Helping Neighbors, the KV Estates Homeowners Association Board, Integrate Farm to School Programs, Community Gardens and Greenhouses, Add, add, add Curriculum to Our Schools. Creating meaningful job opportunities with living wages is really paramount. We want to step out of this poverty place that we have stayed in too long. I want to make sure our children, families, and elders have the quality of life and the respect that they need. I think we can follow state statutes and allow for 150-square-foot minimum home building. I think tiny homes are one answer to out-housing crises. Uh, that must be to our housing crisis. Affordable housing is probably the most important issue people face. I would like to see mindful solutions in place so we can manage the development that comes our way instead of reacting to it. And now turning to Baca Grand POA news, scholarships for ambulance and personnel are in place. This is written by John Rowe. At the Baca Grand Property Owners Association, POA, meeting on September 15th, Board Treasurer Suganda Brooks was the only board member who attended in person. President Diego Martinez, Vice President Leroy West, and member-at-large Allison McClure attended via Zoom, as did six property owners. Six more property owners were also in attendance in person. Kathy Fromm, the POA accounting representative, opened the meeting by giving the financial report. Noteworthy was that the POA's operating expense was right at budget, an encouraging sign for all Baca residents. Administrative staff has been working on a variety of issues such as preparing for the October members meeting, planning an upcoming open house, and trying to help kiosk vendors find an alternative site for their Thursday afternoon market. The POA is considering the ball fields by the golf course as an alternative to the kiosk, and vendors are encouraged to contact the POA to find out the status. Contact the POA to find out more detail on the October member meeting as well. Both road graders are now operational again, and a qualified temporary employee has been hired to help with the roads. Sean Homer expects to now be able to better grade roads and to continue repairs on for on the flash flood damage to Upper Chalet roads. Fire and land use are both operating well with no significant problems. Ambulance Chief Joanna Doxon reported that two new EMTs will start this fall, giving her much-needed support. The state of Colorado has instituted Care Forward, a state outreach to rural communities in Colorado, which will start immediately and pays 50% of tuition for basic EMTs, advanced EMTs, and paramedics. Swatch County is ready to pay the other 50% to qualified candidates, making several thousands of dollars available to any new hires in the POA Ambulance Department who wish to serve the community in this fashion. Individuals interested in this program should contact the POA for details. The Safe Routes to School Coalition continues to move forward and an agreement has been struck and signed for the school-to-school portion of the trail. Construction is expected to begin as soon as next spring. And we have this opinion piece by Lisa Syriax, Town of Baca Grande, an idea whose time has come. 
Over 70 registered voters residing in the Baca Grand Subdivision have filed a petition with the District Court to hold an election in order to become a town. The District Court is currently reviewing the petition to see if the requirements set out in Colorado statutes have been met. This is a starting point. The vote would be the first time residents of the community will vote on the question of how they are governed. Past discussions have evolved around annexation of the Baca Grand by the town of Crestone. Annexation never came to fruition. If the measure passes, it would result in a municipality encompassing the Baca Grand subdivision. Should the court approve the petition and authorize an election, five to nine commissioners to conduct the election will be appointed, return legal affidavits to the court affirming their intent to hold an election, and set the date and time the election will be held. 1994 was the last time a municipality was formed in Colorado. The town of Foxfield is located in Arapahoe County. Just two years prior, in 1992, the town of South Fork in Rio Grande County was formed. Currently, the Baca Grand is experiencing a growth spurt, and residents expect services that the BGPOA is struggling to provide. Unlike most property owners' associations, the Baca Grand Property Owners Association provides road maintenance, including snow removal, and emergency services like fire and ambulance, in addition to parks, recreational areas like the golf course, stables, tennis courts, an RV park, and administrative services. Revenue is not keeping up with the expenses. Exploration of a municipal structure of government reveals some interesting possibilities. As a town, the Baca Grand would be eligible for transportation funds through the Colorado Department of Transportation. In addition, local governments can apply for federal and state grants for everything from widening roads, building bike and pedestrian-friendly roads, and creating more transit options. Colorado Department of Local Affairs provides multiple grants for funding community planning and development, technology, housing, public safety, emergency response, energy, water, and environment. Instead of relying on one source of funding like property taxes, a town has the ability to tax economic activity in the form of sales and lodging taxes, for example, bringing in revenue from tourists and visitors who enjoy the town and surrounding federal lands. The state statutes that local governments use to manage revenue streams have been established for decades and withstood the test of time in providing ongoing revenues for services. Towns rely on public input in order to decide on how to spend resources, pursue projects, expand infrastructure, and manage growth. A municipality does not solve all problems. Discussions are developing and ongoing. If you want a town which can impose taxes based on property valuation, utilize public multiple grants and funding sources, now is the time to get involved. The decision on how to fund services will rest in the hands of elected trustees. Anyone can hold these positions as long as they are residents and registered voters in the state of Colorado. Sometimes the best way to find out what is possible is to try it. And this note, this opinion is that of the author, not the Crestone Eagle. We welcome dialogue on this and all issues. Please send letters and op-eds to the email address Editor at CrestoneEagle.com And speaking of the Eagle, we have this article. Newspaper in tiny Crestone, Colorado is on the leading edge of legacy newspapers going nonprofit. This was written by Dan Boyce, Colorado Public Radio. A few years ago, the operators of the Crestone Eagle made an appeal to their readers and others who care about local news. We need $10,000 to survive the winter. Can you help us? Within two weeks, community members and others donated $15,000 and the paper lived to see another season. 
Now, at the beginning of September this year, the 33-year-old monthly newspaper in this tiny San Luis Valley town has become a nonprofit, and they're hoping it sustains them for the long term. This was our own community members who came up and put their money on the table and said, we want to keep our community newspaper alive. We want to do it, said the Eagles founder, Kizen Lockie. And I thought, if they're willing to do this when it's not a tax-deductible donation, then going as a nonprofit, it's already been proven that this is going to work. Lockie, age 70, sold the paper to the nonprofit Crestone Eagle Community Media and is now transitioning into retirement. The paper, however, has been given a new lease on life. It's the latest positive sign for local news in Colorado, which until recently had been dominated by decades of steady decline. I would say right now is one of the most optimistic times that I have seen in my career as a journalist, said Laura Frank, who co-founded the Institute for Nonprofit News after losing her job during the closure of the Denver-based Rocky Mountain News in 2009. Ten years later, in 2019, the Salt Lake Tribune made history as the first legacy paper in the U.S. to transition from a for-profit news organization to a 501c3 nonprofit. Others have followed in its footsteps. Chicago Public Media, a nonprofit which runs NPR affiliate WBEZ, also recently acquired the Chicago Sun-Times. Frank says she and her INN colleagues are now fielding calls every month from other news sources of all sizes looking to do the same. And Crestone, tiny Crestone, Colorado, has been at the forefront of that, Frank said. They are on the leading edge of a growing trend all across the country. There's only one road leading in and out of Crestone. The 2020 census recorded 141 inhabitants, yet the Crestone Eagle still boasts a circulation of about 2,500 paying readers across its print and digital products per month. Its pages heavy with columns submitted by unpaid local writers on subjects ranging from stargazing tips to bird-watching reports. Mary Lowers writes a history column for the paper. I feel like the values that people had here, the old families from the mining and ranching days, the back-to-the-land hippies who came out here, the people who came out here so the government would leave them alone, Lower said, all of us support the Eagle, and I think we'll support it through the transition. It's not just the paper's connection to the community that has helped its transition to nonprofit status. It's also the other trailblazers in Colorado's nonprofit journalism that have helped the Crestone organizers believe they can do it. The Eagle's new editor, John Waters, said he is looking to take lessons from other outlets that have found success with unconventional business models, such as High Country News in Peonia and the Colorado Sun. He said his small staff has been busy applying for grants for which they previously had never been eligible, but now suddenly are because of the nonprofit status. That's really key to our destiny, Waters said. Having that revenue stream, we can finance things such as more of our website, more of our social media. We can fund podcasting. Other bright spots? The Crestone Eagle is now one of more than 170 news outlets across the state, making up the Colorado News Collaborative, also overseen by Laura Frank. That collaborative is one of many initiatives and organizations that receive philanthropic dollars from the new Colorado News Project. Colorado Public Radio is also part of the Colorado News Collaborative. And this summer, CBS News Colorado announced it would be adding 10 additional hours of news coverage focused on local community news around the state. Note, this article originally appeared on the website of Colorado Public Radio and is reprinted with permission. 
And we have a notice of 2022 general election per Colorado Revised Statute 1-5-205. Swatch County Clerk and Recorder Trish Gilbert announces that the 2022 general election will be held on Tuesday, November 8th. Ballots will be mailed to all active registered voters beginning October 17th. Ballot packet will includes one ballot, one secrecy sleeve instructions, one, a multilingual ballot informational insert, and one return envelope. Voters will mark their ballot, insert it into the secrecy sleeve and instructions, insert this into the return envelope, sign the envelope where indicated, and mail or return the voted ballot to the voter service polling center in the clerk's office at Swatch County Courthouse, 501 4th Street, Swatch. The voting service center will be open from Monday, October 24th through Tuesday, November 8th, Monday through Friday from 8 a.m. until 4 p.m., on Saturday, November 5th from 7 a.m. to 11 a.m., and on Election Day, November 8th from 7 a.m. until 7 p.m. Voted ballots may also be deposited in the ballot drop boxes at the following locations, the south parking lot of the courthouse, 501 4th Street in Swatch, Crestone Mercantile, located at 182 East Galena Avenue in Crestone, Haskins Building, 220 Worth Street in Center, 360 County Road 31XX in Sargents. Beginning October 14th, the drop boxes will be available 24 hours each day until 7 p.m. on Election Day. Ballots must be received by 7 p.m. on Election Day. Ballots received after 7 p.m. on Election Day will not be counted. Postmarks do not count, and it is too late to mail your ballot. And we have one calendar item for this week, November 5th. Town Here to Listen session at 10 a.m. at Cloud Station. Town of Crestone holds a listening session the first Saturday of the month. And that's all we have time for today. Thank you for joining us for the Crestone Eagle. My name is Paula Vaughn. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303-786-7777.